0: the piling pay dirt podcast with Scott Lasher all right welcome back to the piling pay dirt podcast we absolutely kept the momentum rolling last week we went seven and two overall we went three and0 in both the noon matchup and the 330 matchup at noon LSU covered minus nine and a half Jaden Daniels went over his passing yards and over one and a half passing touchdowns. And then at 3.30, North Carolina covered minus seven. Drake May went over his passing yards and over 32.5 rushing yards. The two losses came in the Tennessee-Florida game. I underestimated the power of the swamp. Florida pulled out the upset, but Tennessee receiver Squirrel White did go over his receiving yards, so we actually got a win in that game as well. We're already in week four. Things have been flying by, but things have been going good so far. We're 15-3 overall. We've got to keep it rolling, so let's break down this week's matchups and make some picks that are going to pile more pay dirt. Week 4 has a bunch of great games in store. Just throughout the day, amazing matchups. I've picked three in three separate time slots so you can focus on each one individually, starting with the noon matchup between Florida State and Clemson, followed by a 3:30 matchup between Alabama and Ole Miss, and then we're going to end the night with a... matchup between Notre Dame and Ohio State. All three of these matchups are just made for TV. They're going to be great. All six programs are powerhouses. All three matchups are historic battles. I cannot wait. Let's get into it. We're going to start with Florida State and Clemson at noon. Florida State comes into this matchup as slight 2.5 point favorites. The total is sitting at 55 total points. This matchup is considered by many to be the preview to what will be the ACC championship game. Clemson does have their backs against the wall a little bit. They dropped week 1 to Duke 28-7, and that came the night after Florida State beat LSU in convincing fashion 45-24. It's not time to hit the panic button though, Duke is a good football team, they look great this year, and they have been taking care of business so far. Also, a Clemson win on Saturday will make everything better. They'll be right back on track for the ACC championship and even a postseason run. A loss will open the door though for anyone to compete with Florida State for this conference. So let's dive into this matchup, break down the most important things to consider, and as always, I'll provide some betting locks at the end. Let's start with Clemson. Clemson will enjoy their all-important home field advantage. Death Valley will be packed this Saturday. Crowd noise will be in full effect, especially with the Seminoles coming to town. For the Clemson Tigers, their record could not mean less to them coming into this matchup. Head coach Dabo Sweeney said this week, our record doesn't matter, what we did last year doesn't matter, the rankings don't matter, this is Clemson versus Florida State and we just have to be ready to play. This game is treated by both programs as its own entity. They obviously are aware of the implications surrounding this game, but both head coaches just want to make sure that their kids come in ready to play with the outside noise blocked out. You can't talk about clemson without mentioning the week one loss to duke they did not look good in that game they were only able to put up seven points and they turned the ball over three times now i said before duke is a good football team with a great defense so maybe a loss in week one on the road for clemson deserves a bit of a pass especially when quarterback kade clubnik was you know starting his first season as the full-time starter speaking a little bit more about clubnik he took over as a starting quarterback this year he saw the field a bit last year with mixed results He was 61 of 100 attempts for 697 yards, two touchdowns, to three interceptions. This year, very similar sample size, and he does look better. 71 passes of 107 attempts for 693 yards, eight touchdowns, and two interceptions. He also has been able to run a little bit. He can hurt you with his leg, but he definitely prefers to sling it. Speaking on that, wide receivers Antonio Williams and Bo Collins lead that group for the Tigers. Williams leads the team in catches with 15 for 145 yards and two touchdowns, while Collins leads the team in receiving yards with 197 and a touchdown on 13 catches. The real star of the offense for the Tigers, though, is running back Will Shipley. He has 225 rushing yards on 36 attempts, as well as 11 catches for 58 yards and a touchdown. He's not alone in the backfield, though. Running back Phil Maffa has found the end zone three times and rushed for 166 yards on 25 attempts. This offense is more than capable of moving the ball. A lot of different people touch the ball. A lot of different people produce for this offense. They are at their best when Cade Klubnik can stretch the field and pass against secondaries. Talking about the defense now, this unit is stout. They are great against the run, They're holding opponents to only 98 rush yards a game. They generate a good enough pass rush, and their secondary is strong. They've only allowed one touchdown through the air this season, and they're allowing less than 150 pass yards a game. The defense has also recovered three fumbles and recorded four picks this season. Linebacker Wade Woodes has recorded two of those interceptions, including a pick six. Safety Khalil Barnes and corner Nate Wiggins account for the other two. Linebackers Barrett Carter and Jeremiah Trotter lead the team in tackles with 15 and 17, respectively. This unit is actually ranked top 10 in the nation for total defense, but you have to wonder, would that be the case if they hadn't played an FCS school and Florida Atlantic the last two weeks? They didn't look as good against Duke. The stats were just not as attractive. They surrendered 28 points, including three touchdowns. They allowed 199 yards on the ground and 175 through the air. Now, I said it before, I'll say it again. Duke is a good football team, but so is Florida State. It'll be interesting to see if Clemson can do their thing against an opponent of this strength. They do have a few weeks under their belt now compared to when they played Duke. And they also have the crowd of Death Valley behind them, a place where Clemson just does not lose. I mean, really, though, like, they're off 41 of their last 42 games in Death Valley. They've lost one game in the last 42 at Death Valley. The one loss, though, comes against a top 10 opponent, and Florida State comes into this one ranked top 5 at number 4. So let's talk about Florida State, and then I'll share my picks for this game. Florida State comes into this week after surviving what would have been an embarrassing and crushing defeat to Boston College. They won that game 31-29 after surrendering 13 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, They were heavy favorites going into that game, so for their sake, let's hope that that game was a product of looking ahead to the behemoth that is this matchup against Clemson. Quarterback Jordan Travis took some bumps last week, including an injury scare, although head coach Mike Norvell has reported there is no concern heading into this game. Travis's health could not be more important for the Seminoles. He has looked fantastic this season, posting 63% completions for 739 yards, 8 touchdowns, and only 1 interception. He's also carried the ball 17 times for 96 yards and a touchdown. If there is a weak spot on this Clemson defense, it may be their ability to handle dual threat quarterbacks. Duke quarterback, Riley Leonard, ran for 98 yards and a score against Clemson in week one, and the defense could not stop him. Travis is a dangerous dual threat quarterback. He makes big plays in big situations, but his durability has been an issue. Talking about the weapons for Travis, Wide receiver Keon Coleman leads the team in catches and receiving touchdowns with 12 catches for 170 yards and 4 touchdowns. Johnny Wilson leads the team in receiving yards with 209 on 11 catches. He's also 6'7", 240 pounds, so good luck covering him. Tight end Jaheim Bell also has been productive for the Knolls, catching 7 passes for 125 yards and 2 touchdowns. As far as the running game goes, that is led by running back Trey Benson. He has 33 carries for 164 yards and has found the end zone four times. This offense has been good. No one is complaining about the Florida State offense. The O-line is solid. It's the defense. They have to be better. They've allowed 412 yards per game this season. That includes 268 through the air and 123 on the ground per game. Those yards are accompanied by 22 points against per game. That is just not good enough. The secondary has been able to get three interceptions this year, but the D-line needs to be better, especially generating pressure on pass plays. That being said, though, Florida State has already been tested this year in a big way in Week 1 against LSU, and they took care of business. Regardless of their defense, they're one of the best teams in the country. This is going to be a great game throughout I honestly could see this game coming down to a last second field goal. With all that being said, let's get into my picks. The first pick for this game is going to be Jordan Travis's passing yards. I think he's going to throw for at least 250. Right now on DraftKings, it's at 246. I would play that to 250. I also think he's going to have a good game on the ground. I think he's going to run for around 50 yards. His rushing yard prop is currently at 32 and a half yards. I would play that to 40. But keep in mind, sacks do count as minus rush yards, so do what you will with that. I also like the over 55 in this game. As much as Clemson's defense is fantastic, they have not played an offense like Florida State's. And I think each team will have close to 30 points when all is said and done. Now, this final pick for this game comes a week removed from a loss in hostile environment. And Death Valley is probably more hostile than the Swamp. But I'm doing it again. I'm picking Florida State to cover. Minus 2.5 on the road against Clemson. They're going to solidify themselves as the top dog in the ACC. And they're going to turn heads in the college football world for maybe the best in the nation. That's it for this one. I can't say I'm not nervous about the backing of Florida State in Death Valley. But we'll get into the next matchup. That one's going to start at 3.30. That's Alabama versus Ole Miss. And now, the Alabama Crimson Tide hosts Ole Miss. All right, this next matchup is at 3.30 between SEC opponents, Alabama versus Ole Miss. Bama comes into this game as seven-point favorites, and the total is sitting at 55 points. Alabama is 2-1. and one. They did win last week against the University of South Florida, but they won that game 17-3. They went into halftime tied at three all and the college football world lost their minds. They were able to come out in the second half and take care of business in order to get the W, but for the standards that the Crimson Tide have, this team is in crisis mode. Their one loss was to a very strong Texas team in week two, but for week three, they made a quarterback change and it didn't go well. They won 17 to three in a game. They were favored to win by 34 points. And now they're going back to quarterback Jalen Milroe. For Ole Miss, they're sitting pretty. They are 3-0. They blew out an FCS school in week one, 73-7. They took care of business against a tough Tulane team in week two. They won that game 37-20. And they dominated Georgia Tech last week, 48-23. The second half has been the key for this team. They have scored 100 second half points in the three contests they've played so far. So let's dive into this matchup, starting with Ole Miss. The Ole Miss Rebels have done a great job of leaving last season in the rearview by jumping out to a 3-0 start. They are led by star quarterback Jackson Dart and an experienced head coach known for his high-powered offenses in Lane Kiffin. Last week is a testament to how high-powered this offense can be. If a 73-7 victory against an FCS school in Week 1 wasn't enough for you, the Rebels put up 550 yards of total offense, including 299 on the ground. Quarterback Jackson Dart threw for 251 yards and a touchdown, and he added a career-high 135 yards on the ground on his way to two rushing touchdowns. Injuries to some of Dart's weapons are a bit of a concern coming into this week, with wide receiver Zakari Franklin and wide receiver Trey Harris listed as questionable, and tight end Cade Priestcorn is also listed as questionable. They will really hope to get Trey Harris back in time for Saturday. He has been a touchdown machine this year. He has caught 8 passes for 188 yards, and he has found the end zone 5 times. Other than Harris, Jordan Watkins leads the team in catches and receiving yards with 15 catches for 290 yards and a score, while wide receiver Dayton Wade has 11 catches for 215 yards. They also have a good running back in Quinshawn Judkins. He's good through the air and on the ground. He has 7 catches for 70 yards in addition to the 145 yards and 4 touchdowns he has on the ground. He has done all that in 44 carries. This offense can score points. That is this team's philosophy, to outscore you. The defense leaves room for improvement, but the offense just outscores you. Defensively, they've allowed 376 yards a game. That includes 226 through the air and 123 on the ground. They've also allowed just under 17 points a game. The defense is fairly good at getting to the quarterback though with eight players having recorded at least one sack defensive end isaac ukwu loves to cause problems for opposing o-lines and he leaves the team with two sacks the other d end jared ivy he can be a problem too he has recorded one sack two tackles for loss and eight total tackles but the star on defense i would say is safety trey washington He leads the team in tackles with 20. Linebacker Kari Coleman and safety John Saunders are also key players to watch, among others. This defense has a lot of talent, they just need to play better as a unit and limit the explosive plays. For Ole Miss, coming into this matchup, they will need their defense to play better than they have, but I think the offense will do just fine against Alabama. But just because Alabama is stumbling compared to their usual dominance, it's still Alabama, and Nick Saban is still wearing the headset, so do not take them lightly. Let's get into talking about Alabama now. Isn't it funny that when Alabama loses a game, it's like the sky is falling? They lost to an undefeated Texas team who comes into this week ranked third in the nation, but a loss on Alabama's record looks so unfamiliar that people still freak out. The loss to Texas is not what worries me, though. What worries me is the quarterback switches. And it's the plural that bugs me the most. Like Why take Monroe out in week three only to have him come back in week four? I'm in no position to question Nick Saban on coaching decisions, but to me, all that's going to do is prolong the settling in process for Moreau. The bright side to all the quarterback shenanigans is their run game. It was great last week. Running back Roy Dell Williams ran for 129 yards and a touchdown on 17 carries, and overall the team ran for 203 total yards. The Tide also have a good running back in Jace McClellan, who has ran for 158 yards on 35 carries so far this season. As far as pass catchers go, they have a few that can hurt you as well. Starting with receiver Isaiah Bond, he has 10 catches for 152 yards and a touchdown this season. Receiver Kobe Prentice has 8 catches for 88 yards. And Jermaine Burton has 6 catches for 127 yards and 2 touchdowns. Also in the pass game, you got to worry about tight end Amari Niblack. He has 4 catches for 94 yards and 2 touchdowns. The even brighter side, though, is the defense. That unit is solid. Last week, they held University of South Florida to only three points. Deontay Lawson led the team with 10 tackles, including a sack. Dallas Turner also had seven tackles and two and a half sacks. The Crimson Tide defense had 10 tackles for loss and five sacks as a a unit. They also forced two turnovers with an interception and a fumble recovery in that game. They allowed 264 yards of total offense, including just 87 yards passing. With that being said, though, the defense had a much harder time against Texas. They allowed 450 total yards in that game, including 349 through the air, but they did hold Texas to only 105 rushing yards. I'm not ready to say that the Ole Miss offense is better than the Longhorns offense, but they are a high-powered unit, and this defense will be challenged in a big way this week. This is without a doubt the biggest test so far this year for Ole Miss. Alabama's already had a huge game in Week 2 when they lost to Texas. It goes without saying the Tide do not want to drop their second game in three weeks. That is not Alabama football. With that being said, though, this is probably the best chance Ole Miss has had in years to upset Alabama. It is going to be a great game that will depend on the quarterback play of Alabama's Milroe and the defensive ability of Ole Miss against the highest-powered offense they have seen so far. So, here are my picks. I like Ole Miss receiver Jordan Watkins to go over 49.5 receiving yards. You can book that on DraftKings. I would play that to 55. I also like Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart over 237 passing yards. I'd play that to 240. Finally, I'm going to back Ole Miss plus seven. I would be much happier with plus seven and a half, and you can find that in some sports books right now, but on DraftKings, it's at plus seven. I think Alabama's out of rhythm. Their quarterback, Jalen Moreau, cannot be feeling confident after being pulled last week. And the Lane Kiffin Rebels are salivating at the chance to down Bama at home. Plus, I said it before, when Alabama loses, America wins. So let's go. Rebels, plus seven. All right, that's going to be it for this one. I got one more game to cover that's going to be the game of the night starting at 730 That one's going to be between the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the Ohio State Buckeyes. And now, the game of the night. The Irish host, Ohio State. For the game of the night tonight, we have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish versus the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State comes into this game as three-point favorites, and the total is sitting at 55.5 points. You really don't have to say much to hype this game up. If you put these two teams on the field at the same time, the fanfare is going to be insane. Ohio State is one of the best teams in the country. They went deep into the playoffs last year with a chance at the title game, and many people think if Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't get hurt, they would have been in that title game and maybe won it. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a future first-round NFL draft pick, and he's probably one of the best receivers in the country, if he's not the best receiver in the country. Notre Dame comes into this game looking as strong as ever. This is the first time in a long time that they can say they have a quarterback who is ready for this type of action. Wake Forest transfer Sam Hartman has plenty of experience, and he has looked great so far. For second year, Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman. This is the biggest game of his career so far, and it comes against his alma mater, Ohio State. Let's break down this matchup, starting with Ohio State. The offense is scary good. They have NFL-ready talent in wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. and wide receiver Emeka Abuka. The pair have combined for 471 yards and 6 touchdowns. Wide receiver Julian Fleming has 11 catches for 100 yards. And if that's not enough for you, tight end Cade Stover has 10 catches for 188 yards. This receiving core strikes fear into opposing secondaries, but they will be going up against two Notre Dame corners who are among the best in the nation. Unsurprisingly, quarterback Kyle McCord is having a great year so far. He has completed almost 69% of his passes for 815 yards, 6 touchdowns to only 1 interception. He hasn't been much of a factor on the ground, but why would you when you have these guys running routes? The run game is led by running back Travion Henderson. He has 30 carries for 191 yards and 4 touchdowns, and running backs Chip Trianum and Mayan Williams also have been effective for the Buckeyes, combining for 37 carries, 206 yards, and three touchdowns. Those numbers are wild, but they haven't played anybody. They stumbled out of the gate in Week 1 against Indiana, and Indiana is now 1-2 and two with their only win coming against an FCS opponent. Week 2 and 3 for Ohio State were flawless, albeit against weaker opponents, so there's no reason to believe they won't be able to do work against Notre Dame, but it's not going to be a cakewalk like it's been the last two weeks. Talking about the defense, they are great too. They haven't played a high-powered offense, but they've only given up 20 points in three games, and they're actually only giving up 223 yards per game, and that ranks third best in the nation. Linebackers Tommy Eckenberg and Steele Chambers lead the team in tackling with 20 and 19 respectively. Eckenberg has a sack, and Chamber has an INT as well. defense has accounted for five sacks as a unit, four forced fumbles, and three interceptions including a pick six by corner Jermaine Matthews. At this point Ohio State is enjoying video game like numbers and for them this is a statement game for anyone who wonders if they can play that game against top talent like Notre Dame. For Notre Dame this is a prove-it game. They have looked great so far this year and Wake Forest transfer Sam Hartman has looked like the perfect answer to their quarterback problem But they're going up against one of the best teams in the country this week, so a win here would prove that they are ready for a college football playoff run. Let's talk about Notre Dame. Second-year head coach Marcus Freeman has done a great job of improving from last season. Probably the most talked-about transfer in the offseason was now Irish quarterback Sam Hartman, and together, they are leading this team to greatness. Hartman has looked phenomenal this season, making a strong case for his Heisman candidacy. A win this Saturday would propel him right to the top. He has completed 71% of his passes for over 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns, and 0 interceptions. His O-line has shown some weakness at times, so they'll have to do a good job of of protecting him this week. His weapons are abundant, led by wide receiver Chris Tyree with 8 catches for 216 yards and 2 touchdowns, and wide receiver Jaden Thomas with 12 catches, 188 yards, and a touchdown. It is a pick-your-poison group of receivers with four receivers accounting for over 100 yards each and a fifth at 93 yards. Their tight end Tobias Merriweather, he has 141 yards and a touchdown on six catches as well. Another weapon for them, running back Audric Estime. He is a bruising back that makes defenses think twice about tackling him. He is currently over eight yards per carry on 63 attempts for 521 yards and 5 scores. He has also caught 5 passes for 55 yards. So Notre Dame has plenty of firepower on offense as well. But one thing that has been an issue that hasn't hurt them yet because of the talent they've been facing is their penalties. They have committed 23 penalties for 200 yards. They cannot commit penalties this week if they want to win against Ohio State. Defensively, the Irish have one of the best linebacking cores in the nation as well as two of the best corners in the nation. Linebackers Jack Kaiser and Maurice Lioufou lead the team in tackles with 24 and 17 respectively. Corners Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart will be tasked with covering these Ohio State receivers. I expect to see Benjamin Morrison on Marvin Harrison Jr. a lot this game. The Notre Dame secondary has five interceptions on the year and the team has forced six fumbles. So they are very capable of getting their hands on the ball as well. Overall, both of these teams look like absolute powerhouses coming into this game. Neither have lost or have even really been threatened, but neither team has played anyone who should threaten them. This week is an opportunity for each team to establish themselves as a legitimate contender for the national title this year. There is a feel that Ohio State just needs to continue on its path of dominance while Notre Dame has to declare it's on its path to dominance, But Notre Dame will have touchdown Jesus watching over them this game as well as the Irish faithful in the stands. This game is going to be one of the biggest to take place in South Bend for quite some time. Can the Irish defense limit the firepower of the Buckeyes offense? Can Sam Hartman continue his dominance and establish himself as a front runner for the Heisman Trophy? Or is Marvin Harrison Jr. going to light up the scoreboard and put Notre Dame back in its place? We're going to find out and I cannot wait for this game. It is going to be A lot of fun but here are my picks I like Sam Hartman over his passing yards and his passing touchdowns right now his passing yards are at 241 and a half play that to 250 his passing touchdowns are at one and a half play that to two and a half I also like Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord to throw an interception I'm gonna go a little extra here I like the over 55 and a half as well and finally Call me crazy, but I am backing Notre Dame to pull out the outright upset at home against Ohio State. Book it. All right, this has been the Piling Pay Dirt Podcast. You can find next week's episode at Piling Pay Dirt Podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcast. See you guys next week. The Piling Pay Dirt Podcast will be back next week for week five.